everyone, Dixie here, just doing a little bit of housekeeping before we start the episode. If you followed the Monday Meeting blog, you probably saw that today's episode was going to be mailbag number three, uh, revenge of the mailbagging, or whatever we were going to call it. Uh, unfortunately, due to some technical errors, that episode got eaten uh, by a Gru, and so we only have part of it left. So we're going to re-record it next week. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of an extra long thing, hopefully, because it is our 150th episode. In the meantime, this is a short episode that Eddie and I recorded about a week ago of just, just kind of talking about random topics. Um, it's kind of our mailbag to each other. And at the end, I'm going to tack on something that was salvageable from the mailbag episode, which is a rant that Matthew said he may not have the strength to do again uh, about the South Korean drama TV show Vincenzo. So please stick around after the episode for that, because I think it's worth listening to. Um, you know, why not? I love Matthew. Let's, let's give him his, you know, chunk. Thank you so much and enjoy the episode. Sorry, it's not what we said it was going to be. Welcome to the Onyx Podcast. I'm this week's host, Dixie Cochran, here with Eddie Webb. Hello. And Eddie Webb. Yes, and still me. Just Eddie Webb. Just me. And me. I am everything. I am all. I am entirety. Also, there may or may not be a ghost in my apartment. Uh, so you <laughs> might hear that at some point. Uh, there were also screaming children earlier. So this could be an interestingly uh, full lead episode of the podcast. It's, it, I mean, we are nominally a creator of, of horror games so i suppose it's thematically appropriate they, they weren't screaming out of terror they were like riding scooters oh well, I was, you just said like there's ghost and screaming children so i assume those there's, two were connected there's, there's the ghost there's the ghost it just happened Ooh. so know. uh yeah no no no, no it, it, it happened i can see it on the on the waveform uh, <laughs> but now we sound like an, uh, a paranormal uh, podcast. It's look, look at the waveform. You can hear the. <laughs> um, that said, uh, this is going to be a pretty freeform episode. Uh, it's just Eddie and I. Mm-hmm. We have some small topics to chat about. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them will be game related. Some of them might not be. That's okay. So the first thing, how about the moist talkers? Oh, but the Moist Talkers, yes. Uh, Blaseball, the, the cultural sport of Blaseball. The cult- uh, sport. Sport, thank you. Also the, the cultural event of, of, of Blaseball. Um, so, so in the case that isn't increasingly clear, I am relatively new to Blaseball. Um, so I'm still learning. I was a Chicago Firefighters fan until I made the realization that they suck. So I've changed now to the Canada Moist Talkers. But, but, um, but they are from Chicago. They are from Chicago. They, that cannot be taken away from them. <laughs> So for anyone who doesn't know, uh, Blaseball is an internet sport simulator um, that runs an entire season of a baseball-type game uh, with incinerations and people getting swept elsewhere and people getting put in giant shelves uh, every week. Um, they're on Siesta. Yes. No, they, they've, they just come off Siesta when, when, when this airs. Recording timing has also made me a liar in this case, in that Blaseball will be coming off Siesta April 5th. So please tune in then if you're interested in joining us. Also, yes, I've gotten a better microphone. Thank you for noticing. Uh, but you can find all the good stuff at Blaseball.com, and it is a free thing, and it is very silly. 
mostly what's cool about it is the fandom and community that has sprung up around it. Um, I am a Hellmouth Sunbeams fan. Uh, they used to be the Moab Sunbeams until uh, they fell into a Hellmouth. Um, and now like they're the, yeah, and now they're the Hellmouth Sunbeams, uh, which means they're very close friends with the Hades Tigers, considering that we share a domain. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's it's hard to explain, but a lot of fun to get into. There's 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 betting, there's decrees, there's tarot readings. It is a uh, it is a whole lot. So I mean, I, I mean, I, I I got started mainly because um, some of, actually some of the other developers had already been involved with it, and so I kind of got interested in it. Um, and from a game design perspective, there's some really cool stuff happening in mm. this game. Uh, it is uh, ultimately the genre was called idle games where right. you don't really do anything. You watch the game iterates and then you occasionally spend currency to change what's iterating. Yeah. That's um, why it's a splurt. That's why I say yes. It's not actually a sport. Oh, thank you, Ghost. I'm glad you backed me up on this. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, like Dixie said, basically um, uh, each hour is a game. Um, so they, they just give you kind of the highlights, kind of like the sports ticker for a game, but like on, on fast forward. Well, also each 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 hour is several games because all the teams are playing each other. Well, yes, yeah, fair. That's fair. It's right. Um, so so one collection of games is played every hour. Uh, so I believe a season is like a hundred some days, which is about a normal sports season. Um, and then so uh, you can. You get coins, you place bets on teams, uh, and those, uh, if you win, you get more coins. If you fail, you don't get coins. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can spend coins on what are now called snacks, uh, which are different kind of <laughs> bumps. They were other things before, but, um, but... But but now they're concessions. Right. Because we voted to eat the book. Yes. Um, about two seasons ago. Oh, God. No, longer than that. It was December. It, it was season 11. Yes, season 11. Um, but like we, we we all voted to eat the book, um, but then we didn't eat the book. We eat the book because uh, they changed it at the last minute. Yes. <laughs> so the book is decreed that we get to eat. Um, and in case it's not clear, uh, this is very much uh, baseball by way of something like uh, Twin Peaks or Welcome to Night Vale. Yes, it is. It is very <laughs> Welcome to Night Vale. Um, so it's it's horror comedy in ways. Uh, so like there are. Um, the, there are stats for each player, but they have stats like fingers, which aren't necessarily <laughs> 10. It could be like several million. Actually, everyone starts with 11, and then they go up from there. I think, I okay. think one of the players has 74 right now. <laughs> right. Um, and they have like preferred coffee type. Uh, and and there was actually a mini season that went through all the players were rescheduled based on their coffee preference into new teams for like a, kind of like an all-star game style scenario. Also, they all have a soul scream. Yes. That's um, a very important a- stat. <laughs> which is a bunch of different vowels strung together. Uh, So, I mean, and what's interesting about this game is that, um, like Dixie mentioned, uh, one of the things you do with coins is you buy votes. And at the end of each season on Sunday, um, they put a a variety of of rules changes or decrees or uh, other ways to massage the way the game is played. And as far as we know, those changes are permanent. And also, we don't always know what we're voting for entirely. Um, so, like, eat the book. We didn't know what the ramifications of that were when we were voting for it, but we voted for it, and that's what we got. We, we got what we voted for. Um, but also, like, there are things like, mm-hmm. you know, it, uh, there was one decree that changed uh, how runs are calculated. And so, like, for a while, if you got over 10 runs, it reset the counter to zero. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> Which caused me to lose way too many games in Season 11. Let me tell you that. Also, there were, like... 
runs to kind of her point three, <laughs> like took away. Right. It's, it's so um, much. Uh, 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 there, uh, some some batters get more strikes than others. Uh, so it's bonkers out of bizarre there are rules but the rules are not always visible and so it's, it's an interesting <laughs> exploration of uh of not only implicit rules but also invisible rules there certainly are games that exist where um the players aren't always aware of all of the rules of the game right um flux is a good example of that mm -hmm. so the rules change um and so and this is a, a a much more complicated version of flux in that respect uh but like dixie said this is a game that lives and dies by its community and luckily it has a generally fantastic community. Of course, with any large community of, of fans, you're going to get jerks. But um, yeah. overall... It's like um, rare, though, in, in, in baseball. Like, there are a bunch of musicians that started recording music um, for the Seattle Garages, which is one of the teams. Did they put an album also, out? They have several albums out. Okay. They are very good, too. Like, I watched them do a live concert a while oh, wow. back, uh, where they were just all in different, you know, Zoom windows. Mm -hmm. um that was very cool but also like they surprised uh jacob burgess during desert bus with a concert oh wow and, and jacob was like i don't know what blaze ball is but now i care about it uh the <laughs> seattle garages are actually a really good band but they have like you know 50 members across the the, the globe um yeah, and another thing yeah. is um, a lot of independent artists uh have started making merch yes. uh, for them um and Initially, to avoid concerns, they started doing it for charity, but then they got the sanction of the game bands who makes the game, mm -hmm. um, as long as that profits always go to charity. So now every weekend, they, ha they have a, a Baseball Cares is the website, um, and they constantly rotate their stuff, um, and so like, they shut it down during the week so that the artists can fill their commissions and make new stuff. And the weekend, they open up kind of like a, a bazaar or a weekend fair. Yeah. Um, and you buy, you know, and there's a lot of good stuff like, you know, jerseys and, and jackets and caps, but also things like there was a, a book of baseball statistics that I, is out of print right now and I want to get a copy of. I think I have the PDF. Oh, PDF I only saw free. The, I, I only found the physical copy on uh, Lulu. And I will find it for you because please. the PDF is free. They, they, they released it for free. So I want to check that out. Um, but yeah, and then they, like, like they said, they own the, um, uh, they have music up there. Um, people make their own baseball cards. Of different players. Yep. I've got a um, couple of Hellmouth Community College t-shirts. Nice. Because that's what we have in the Hellmouth, apparently, as a community college. Why wouldn't you? Also, recently, um, one of my favorite players was incinerated. Uh, his name was Sutton Bishop. Oh, Sutton Bishop uh, incinerated? Oh, yeah, that. yeah, like two seasons ago. Oh, uh, he was a, a, a horrible goose with tentacles um, <laughs> who was actually the entirety of a pub called Sutton Bishop in England. Right. Um. If that makes any sense to you, you are a better person than I am, because uh, I do not know how that works. But I love Sutton Bishop, and now he's incinerated. There's a there's a entire wiki um, that's chock full of information, and and the community is actually very good about here is the official information we have from the game, which is like usually four or five lines at the top of the screen, and then there are pages and pages, which is the and this is all fan canon. <laughs> Um, and sometimes the fan canon becomes official canon and sometimes it mm -hmm. doesn't. Um, but because of the nature of the game as being kind of a somewhat silly, highly conspiratorial tone, right? the lack of information and the, the contradictions become part of the fun, which is interesting. Yep. I love and it. 
there have been a few podcasts. None of them have been really great. Uh, I've listened to a couple of them, and they're kind of okay. Um, but I think at some point in time, there will probably be a good... I would like to get a good, actually solid sports-style recapping of baseball. Uh, on Twitch, the- it's called the Sports Hub. Oh, okay. And I follow them, and they are great. Well, that, cool. That is where they do the in inside a baseball um, chats. Okay, right, right. But yeah, the, uh, the Sports Hub does, does really good recaps and things. I'll have to check them out then. Yeah. So that's that's a thing that a bunch of Onyx Path developers uh, and and other freelancers are into. It's it's a really good just, you know, simulation of a game. Mm-hmm. And it's um it's also fun because you can do the kind of dogmatic fan jokiness of my team's better than your team kind of stuff. But because everyone's down the joke, it doesn't ever feel rude i mean there was a there was a a, a a recently a controversy of cheating um and apparently things got really heated on because we, uh, we have it set up so um a discord has an announce feature so if somebody's posting right. announcements you can subscribe to that and so we have a baseball channel on our dev discord and so i've subscribed to that so every once in a while we'll get these notes and, so, and recently it's been like in regards to the uh cheating controversy and like wait what there's a cheating <laughs> And I thought it was part of the joke. And, you know, apparently it was a real thing that was happening. Yeah, it was a bug. Yeah, there was a, there was a snack that you could buy that when you sold it back didn't um, go out of your inventory. So oh. they could just keep selling that snack and get like millions of coins to go. Like most people don't ever have millions of coins. Usually mm-hmm. you get like a, you know, a few thousand. Like I think that one, one season I had like 60,000 at the end. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I got redistributed because one of the decrees is the 99% where the top 1% of coin havers every season get their wealth redistributed. Which is amazing. Um, so like I, uh, I I was watching that, that 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 happened and yeah, they like super swung the election because what, what they were doing is they were going to other teams that they weren't part of and voting for things that team didn't want. Mm-hmm. So they were like, you know, spending millions of coins on these votes. But luckily it was pretty obvious. So it sounds like the game ban just, you know, got rid of all that. Right. But it, but it's interesting is because one thing that came out of that that I was fascinated by is they ended up having to break down what they consider to be good gameplay. Gameplay they mm-hmm. want to encourage versus gameplay they want to prohibit. Um, and it's something that honestly more game designs could stand to do to a degree. Yeah. And so I talk about the fact that like, you know, obviously exploiting a bug to get millions of things to swing election is not what they intended, but strategically changing your team to get into that team and vote is absolutely part of the intended gameplay for this far yeah. as they are concerned. Even, even like fl- they like call it fluting. Cause it's a, it's, right. a, it's a fair weather flute. Um, even like fluting to other teams and voting for stuff. Isn't considered cheating. It's just doing it to that degree. Right. That, that, that they were upset about. Like, if I wanted to go spend 30 votes on a Rivals, you know, stadium, I could do that. Right. But they don't want you to go spend 3,000 votes on that. Right. And they absolutely encourage uh, coordination. So, like, if, if you mm-hmm. go to the baseball Discord, they have official team channels. And most of those teams also have their own spinoff Discords, which get into really deep in the weeds of planning and stat breakdowns and okay if we spend our votes up this way we can get this benefit to try to do this thing um and it's a really impressive attempt to try to put order into chaos that i Mm -hmm. am both fascinated by and have no desire to participate in yeah no like there's part of me that 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 looks at baseball and it's like this would be a really fun tabletop game Mm 
Mm-hmm. And there's part of me that's like, how would you even play this game? I don't know. Like, it, it, it probably would be a, like a card game, like 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 Flux or something, more than like yeah. an RPG, you know? Because, mm-hmm. yes, you have to constantly deal with like changing things and decrees. And one of the weather types you can play in is Black Hole. Mm-hmm. And there's Sun and Sun 2. They do different things. Right. Coffee is a weather. Yeah. Yeah. So is birds. Mm-hmm. Um, which are good because they eat peanuts. Uh Peanuts are a thing that happens. Some players are super allergic. I it, it's I, I I can't explain it. I could just sit here and like, like drop facts about baseball for an hour and it would not make any more sense to anybody. No. And to be fair, I've been playing, and I use that in quotes, uh, right. since November, I think. And I still don't understand it. I enjoy it, but I have I don't understand it. Who's your idol? Um oh I forgot the name already it's, it's it was a t- i had one on my team and then i just did the math and it's like no, i need to find the, the title who's the most effective and just use them wow you're not a real fan no i'm not i am i am garbage i've had the same idol for months and months and months and that uh, is uh, uh, nagomi nava of the hellmouth sunbeams i, I think it's nagomi yes no, i'm sorry i had nagomi mcdaniel yeah but i like nagomi nava right, she's right. got too many eyes on one side of her face no, I, I also tentacles. Do them again. Who's now apparently in the Baltimore Crabs? I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eight teams, which it happens. So either way, that has been our fifteen-minute uh, digression about baseball. Yeah, this talking- is, this, this is a baseball deep dive. <laughs> <laughs> We've been talking about explaining this to Matthew on an episode, and we just realized that like it'll just be him being like, "What?" <laughs> while we <laughs> say these words. So instead, we have to say these words directly at you. So go to blazeball.com if you want to play baseball. Um, and talk to me about the Hellmouth Sunbeams um, because they're the best team. And stomp on the Canada Moist Talkers. Well, see, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, I, as someone who's recently come over to the Moist Talkers, I can only point to their stellar records of winning actual championships. We won season 11. And how many seasons ago was that? That's forever ago. <laughs> this is the kind of rivalry that 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 we have. It's uh right. It's not very vicious. It's not. Because we're having a good time. We are all love baseball. We are all love the ticker. (laughs) The ticker is our friend. Uh, So let's talk about some other stuff. Because this is just a Dixie and Eddie hanging out episode. Sure. I said that and then I got concerned for a second that I had said my own name wrong. So that's where (laughs) I'm at today. Welcome to 2021. (laughs) It is 2021. It's like four months into it. Yeah, I know. It doesn't feel like it. Is, is it just me or does it feel like 2020 was like a million years long and 2021 has been like five minutes? Yeah. Yeah, kind of. It also feels like we're still like in stasis from like 2020. Oh, no, this is definitely 2020 part two to a certain degree, but it's also the, the crappier sequel that got cut down for time. Yeah, I can see that. Yep. Not great. Either way. <laughs> um, we were going to talk a little bit about an actual work topic, uh, which okay. is editing of books and editing of freelance materials. Speaking of cutting things down for time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Look at that segue that I definitely intended. Absolutely. Um, super, super intended. Uh, yeah. So recently there's been some you know, talk in the RPG world about writers work getting edited or cut. Mm-hmm. And... There are a lot of nuances to this conversation yeah. that I have talked about with Eddie and talked about with some of my developers, and I just like to talk about it kind of to the general public. And that is that the ghost has an opinion. 
Ghost, I promise I won't edit your work. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, anyway, Ghost, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have opinions about this. I am going to post on Facebook. You don't have Facebook, Ghost. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to keep laughing every time Aww. it happens. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Anyway. All right. So the thing about work for hire, which is what a lot of the RPG industry is, if you're not publishing your own work, right? Mm-hmm. Is that the company that contracts you owns the work. Mm-hmm. So at that point, they have their, like, once, once they've paid you, they can do whatever they want with it. They can throw right. it in the garbage. Like, right. that's that's up to them. It's not right. great. Mm-hmm. Um, on on various levels, but that's that's how freelancing works. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I I could edit for a company and have them decide that my edits weren't good enough, and then give it to another editor. Mm-hmm. Nothing I can do about that. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, I think there's a difference between cutting someone's work or changing it a little bit or rewriting part of it because that happens all the time, right? Like mm-hmm. we we rewrite parts of Exalted books fairly frequently uh, because Eric and Vance have a very specific vision. Um, I've, I've, I, while editing, have rewritten paragraphs because they were all in passive voice. And right. so I have completely rewritten the paragraph to be mm-hmm. like, now it's his active voice. It's the same basic idea in the paragraph, but, mm-hmm. you know, now it reads better. Um, but there's a difference between that and, and, like, introducing elements that are problematic or that the author wouldn't stand behind. Right. Um, and that's something that I know I've been trying to be better about in the past several years, even before the current discussion. It was something that I was like, oh, that lines up with where my head's been at. Right. Um, is it, if I change something that it turns out, I, I think makes the thing better, I, I will at least run it by the writer ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um, legally speaking, I can do whatever I want with it, but I usually let them know, hey, this will make uh, uh, For example, this commonly happens when I gender swap characters. Right. Um, there have been times where people have sent stuff that's perfectly fine, but then I'm going, you know what? The, the, the dynamic isn't quite working out here. Um, so like a random example from a game I'm working on is I got two NPCs. One was a military commander. One was a healer. And the military commander was male and the healer was female. And I was like, I'm just going to switch these because that's been done a lot. Yeah, that, that's, that's a stereotype. Right. Um, but if you switch them around, that becomes interesting. Um, and I told the writer, and I was like, but it's very much this is what I'm doing, just so you know. Um, I had another situation where um, we were putting together a book based, you know, the, the tasty bits for Story Path involved pre existing art. And so someone wrote up a character, but the art piece didn't line up. So I had to rewrite the character to fit the art that we actually had. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and. Uh, I'd let the writer know, hey, by the way, you know, I, I changed this. And, and there's some, there's a knock-on effect that I hadn't thought of. And so we did some last minute, last, last, last minute changes. But, you know, I don't mind doing that to a degree if we have time, if we have bandwidth. Um, but also there are times we cut material just because it doesn't fit in the space on the page. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been times in the layout where Mike's like, I need you to cut 100 words. And yeah. I've got to find 100 words to cut. And sometimes a writer's favorite thing gets cut. And it's not because it's malicious or anything nefarious. Sometimes I have to add words too. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and sometimes we're lucky. One of the reasons why a lot of our developers, our better developers tend to also be writers, is that they can do that last minute work and try to do things with with relative precision. Right. Um, uh, to A recent example is uh, the Adventure Kickstarter. Um, uh at the time of recording, the first chapter when people were really raving about it, and one of the things we're raving about is uh, kind of the character blurbs as they comment on the setting chapter. Uh, and that was something Danielle added at the last minute because she needed to 
get the, the, the chapter into a certain shape. And that was the best mm -hmm. way she could do to fix the problem. Uh, and so yeah, that's great. You know, I've added a sidebar to Aberrant to fill in a gap and uh, people keep referencing a sidebar of like, oh, this is really great. So it's like, sometimes that works out, but sometimes it doesn't, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. we put stuff in or um, uh, we make a change and it, it doesn't land right. That's one of the reasons why we do have that errata phase to be able to kind of get people to say, hey, by the way, I don't know if you intended it this way, but this looks like blah. Yeah, totally. So like there is definitely a level of trust with the company you're working with mm -hmm. that I think is important because one of my developers did come to me and kind of said like, hey, there's something that we should worry about like with our, our, our freelancers because, you know, we do change things frequently on, on certain game lines. And I said, I, I certainly hope not. Because I hope they trust us that if we change anything, we're changing it for a reason or trying to make it better. We're not just arbitrary, you know? Right. And then I, I, I think that is where some of the nuance in the conversation recently has gotten a little lost is like, you know, there's a there's a fine line between like companies shouldn't change your work ever. Right. And like companies own your work so they can do whatever the hell they want with it. But there's a lot of gray area between that, which is like. You should trust the company you're working with to handle your work respectfully. Right. And if, you know, they don't, then yeah, sure, you can talk about it. But like, I don't think I've ever edited somebody's work to be worse. You know, <laughs> that's, that's not my job. And I mean, um, part of the problem is I think also uh, editors get a uh, disproportionate amount of stick for sometimes not always their faults. Um, uh, sometimes, like I mentioned before, we have to make changes pretty late in the game and we don't always have time or sometimes don't remember to, to loop Dixie in and say, Hey, can you double check this to make sure this works? It's the, we've got to get this moving ahead or mm. what have you. Um, and also, especially for like things like licensed games or games made by uh, large companies, um, uh, there may be decisions happening well above the developer's pay grade. Oh yeah. Uh, um, certainly, uh, although it's, it's gotten a lot better, uh, the early days of our relationship with Paradox, there was a lot of, we need you to add large chunks of text or we need you to cut large chunks of text because it wasn't quite hitting our vision. Now that we're, have better sense what their vision is and you know, they, they trust us a lot more with what we're doing. It, it hasn't been a huge problem. Still, there's plenty of times where they'll come in and they'll sometimes pretty heavy red lines on mm -hmm. our material to make sure it lines up with things that we don't even know about. They may be like they're lining up for another video game release or a TV show or a comic book or whatever. We don't yeah. know anything about that. And they've got to make sure their stuff lines up and they can't always tell us for NDA reasons why those changes are made. That said, that wasn't like an announcement about a Paradox TV show. We, we, we no, 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 no. don't know. <laughs> no, no, I, I am pulling shit out of my ass. It could be a t-shirt for all I know. I'm just, those are just examples. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm no, sorry. I want to think that we like confirmed like... No. This line in uh, Cults of the Blood Gods get cut off because it contradicts with our handbag line. No, I mean, it's... <laughs> I want to see a Cults of the Blood Gods handbag line. You see, right? I mean, it'd be, it'd be great. Um, but we've got to make sure it's canonically accurate handbags. Uh, but... <laughs> canonically I mean... accurate handbags is... Uh, that, that, that would be a really good baseball team. I was going to say that canonically accurate handbags is my dead milkman uh, cover band. Yeah, nope, I like that too. <laughs> But um, but yeah, I mean, so it's like some so there's lots of reasons why my edits can change, um, and I think that 
in ideal world, the developer will will give you a heads up and say, here's, you know, here's what's going on. Again, with our process, we don't explicitly do that, but we do have an open uh, errata phase, which a lot of our freelancers will get a copy of and, and put in comments. So that's a good time to say, hey, by the way, I see you edit this way. I didn't really intend that. And this happened a few times where the writers will actually put in their own errata on their own material. Yeah, totally. Um, and that's great. We love that because sometimes, again, we didn't think that through, but sometimes also there's a reason why. Um, uh, and to be to be perfectly honest, sometimes those reasons aren't always easily understood. Um, for example, uh, uh, and I mentioned this before on the podcast, but on Pirates of Pugmire, uh, there was a small reference to rabbits that grew rapidly out of control. Um, <laughs> you mean like like rabbits do? Like rabbits, yes, exactly. I was I left that pause there for you. Um, <laughs> Because it's funny, but uh, I, I didn't want to address rabbits, and there's lots of reasons why, um, and I gave very good reasons why. But really, the reason was I don't want to deal with rabbits in that book. And it's that because was, you're anti-logomorph. It's true. It's, it's, it's true. My, my, my stance on, on logomorph uh, hatred is, is well known. <laughs> um, but I mean, I need to make that call, and so I let the writers know I am cutting these references. Uh, but and I had, again, I had good reasons for them, but some of those were purely based on my creative vision for where Pugmire needs to go. Uh, and that was the main reason. Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes yeah, you make a cut or you make a change because creatively you need to go in a certain direction. Uh, most of those in my experience tend to be very small details or mm-hmm. just are usually handled before it hits the page. Um, and again, usually if it's a substantive change, there's a, there's a meeting or a discussion or something. So it's rare the writer is just massively surprised by that, but it doesn't always happen. So mm-hmm. there's a difference between the legal and moral uh, uh, needs for editing yes. manuscripts, but you're absolutely right that it is not as simple as do slash do not. Yeah, yeah. There's just there's there's a whole wide window in there. Like I've 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 definitely been in the same boat as you, where you know Mike's come to me and said like you need to cut 600 words off, off of this. Mm-hmm. because yes ghost i know um like you know because it's flowing into the next chapter or there's going to be too much white space on the final page or whatever mm-hmm. and so it's like okay i i cut some stuff you know and mm-hmm. it's up to me to cut that stuff and sometimes stuff gets cut that someone liked and i'm sorry mm-hmm. I, I i i try <laughs> right. but that's 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 all we can do is is you know use our best judgment I do want to kind of touch on a tangential thing um, because we talk a lot about cutting right now, uh, but I'm going to be honest. Th- th- there's this trope that's been happening in the community for decades now, honestly, mm-hmm. of this, oh, if only you had seen the cut material, the, the, the Snyder cut. Oh, God, cut is, yeah. <laughs> the Snyder cut of Justice League is bringing this conversation back up a lot. But like, if you'd only seen the, the cut material, it would have been so much better. 95% of the time stuff we're cutting is, is, is either – excess or it's redundant or it's a minor nuance or something we want to rework and we expand on in a different book you're you're really not missing stuff like i had one person like i, I want to see the unedited version of this thing and i showed it to him it's like all you're missing is like a bunch of the word that um and if yeah. you, a lot of commas and that's basically all you're missing i don't yep. know what you really expect to see out of this a couple typos <sighs> yeah you know I, I i cut a few sentences because they said the exact same thing as the previous sentence <laughs> yep yeah, no, I have, uh, I've, I've definitely done that a few times where I'm like, oh, this, this sentence said the exact same thing two sentences ago, just with different words. So delete, don't need it. Right. Um, uh, uh, or it's contradictory. There's plenty of times where it's like, I cut stuff because, like, oh, well, we actually say this, but differently in a different place, and that place has it better. So let's just do that. Um, in DRE, I did a lot of that. There was because I had a, a lot of team with who were very excited about disability. And so they all wrote about disability, which means I 
we had five different sections that all talked about disability. I said, you really, really need one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's make it the best one and put all the bits and pieces together into that one really great section. But we don't need to talk about this five different, different times. You, you, you don't want your five disability sidebars? They'll all say the exact same thing? <laughs> no, they'll say slightly different things that not only more or less say the same thing, but also mildly contradicting ways that would cause confusion down the road. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's, that's definitely a, a thing that happens. Especially, like Eddie said, with like hot button topics. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we write a lot of horror books, and so you'll get, you know, four different authors writing about like consent. Or yeah. how to, you know, deal with this at the tables or whatever. And it's like, okay, like. It's great. Like, yes, thank you for thinking about it. But we just need one. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, it, is, it, it occasionally makes sense to like back it up later for like some other scene. But you don't need the, the whole, you know, paragraph every single time. No, that that, that is much more of the, it's one thing. And then give you a page XX back to the meteor topic so you can see more. And that's that's the kind of redundancy you want. You don't want to literally repeat it over again. And there's, again, lots of reasons why. But one of the big ones is people feel ripped off. And if they feel like they're reading the exact same thing over and over and over again, unless it's mm-hmm. the reason why they bought that book. Would you buy a book that's just the same page over and over and over again? Well, I mean, if it was, they were all blank, I would, but. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> what if they're lined? Well, that's Some also kind good. Of grid. The exact same lines would be great, yeah. <laughs> okay, yes, I realize I just described journals or notebooks. Thank you. Thank you, Eddie. <laughs> But yeah, no, that's 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 a brief conversation about the, the editorial process and how it is, you know, at at least from my experience, it is never malicious. It yeah. is always trying to make things better. Mm-hmm. And if you do something and an author sees it and pushes back on it, we we, we have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Whether the conversation is, you know, sorry, we, we we had to cut this for space, or whether the conversation is, no, you're right, we should change that back because I yep. see what you were doing now. No, um, yeah, I mean, I, and certainly there have been writers who pushed back in a couple of times, quite a few times I've been like, okay, you know what, you bring a valid point. Um, I'm always open for a discussion, but um, again, sometimes I, that discussion can't be had. Sometimes it's the, I can't tell you why NDA prevented me from saying it. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, we're talking, these are extremely rare circumstances. Most of the time, I'd say 95, 98% of the time, like Dixie says, the changes are always for the betterment of the manuscript. Um, and those few edge cases are usually picked up in errata. Yeah, like uh, half of what I do when I'm editing is like adding a comma or getting rid of a comma splice or bolding a colon because there was a bold thing and the colon wasn't bolded. And I was like, oh, I have to fix this. Like it is so mundane what I do. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I know that some people think of editors as like, you know, sitting here making like all these comments and like having all this, you know, feedback for the author and like rewriting things and everything's covered in red. And it's like a lot of what I do is like, oh, they didn't put spaces around an M dash. Like mm-hmm. here are some spaces for you. This oh, needs to be capitalized. The, yeah, this needs to be capitalized. So like the 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 title of the book needs to be in bold or in italics or whatever. And it's it it may look like a lot of red, but once you accept it all, half the time the paragraph seems completely unchanged. Mm. Um, and that's that's you know, it's 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 my job. Yes, ghost. I know. <laughs> I, I I know, buddy. <laughs> you sound sad. It is such a sad ghost. <laughs> it's okay, buddy. 
but yeah so like half the time once you accept my changes um it, it doesn't look different yep like and that's that's really what it is because most of what i do is it's copy editing it's not what we think of as like a fiction editors where they are you know talking to you about like story structure or continuity or whatever like do i catch those things in fiction sure but most of our fiction is like three standalone scenes you know so. And also, and also, um, a lot of what you're talking about is really what the developers mm-hmm. should be doing. Um, so it's, that's why it was, it was a good thing for us. I'm glad you brought it up because I think it's good for both to talk about it because we are looking at both sides of the, those decisions. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've I've developed the the one book for you, and I've I've seen the mm-hmm. development process, and like, yeah, it is. You have a lot more input on on story and things when you're at the development stage, than at the editing stage, because it's really. I assume that the developer has made it the way they want it once I get it for editing. Mm-hmm. And unless something like really jumps out at me, like, oh, you must not have known that this phrase is problematic. Mm-hmm. It's like, that is the other thing is that I, I tend to assume good faith of, of everybody that I work with. Mm-hmm. Um, so I assume that like, if a problematic phrase or concept makes their way into a draft, I'm like, they just don't know. Or they right. didn't realize it or whatever. So let me just fix it and like leave a little comment that says, hey, just so you know, you know, people don't use this phrase anymore and here's why. Um, as far as I know, that's always been the case. It's always been, oh shit, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I have never had anybody be like, no, I absolutely have to use this phrase. It's like, no, no, you don't. You can just not not do that. Um, and yeah, people always just accept it. I've, I've never had anyone push back and say like, I have to use this problematic phrase because it's part of my creative vision. <laughs> right. And granted, that is mostly with Onyx Path. Um, I have had a couple of other companies where I pointed out something that I thought was a little weird and they didn't change it, but that's up to them. You know, it's, it's their right. prerogative. It's not my project. Right. But as far as my colleagues here go, everybody tends to listen to me. It's good. We Which do. is nice. Yep. All right. Topics big and small. So how's the Transformers wiki? Oh my God, the Transformers wiki. <laughs> Um, I don't know if we've talked about this, but if, if anybody here, even if you're not a fan of Transformers. Yeah, I am TF, not a fan of Transformers, but the Transformers wiki is amazing. TFWiki.net is amazing. Um, and for several reasons. First of all, it's just a genuinely well-maintained wiki. Um, it is extremely comprehensive. It goes into some rabbit holes. I, as a long-time Transformers fan, even don't always appreciate or understand. Um, but the other thing is... There are there is no group of fans in my experience that embody self-loathing the way that the TF Wiki <laughs> does. They make fun of themselves so much. Um, my favorite, which I've shared the screenshot a couple times, is if you go to the Decepticon page. They have also tons of pictures, and the big part of it is um, they'll have captions for all the screenshots they want. And the captions are usually hysterical. Um, but on the Septicon page, they naturally have the Septicon logo and this, the, the, the title under it, I don't remember exactly, but it's the effect of if you get this tattooed, um, then people will love you as long as you wear a long trench coat and have a katana. Yeah. I, I love going there and just clicking on random pages and looking at the captions. So mm. I just, I just did that live oh, and no. I, I got to the page, the next best thing to being there. And the caption of this comic cover is, when there's no more room in hell, the Constructicons will walk the earth. <laughs> and then uh, there's another one that says, hey, do you do you remember the Constructicon robots? Like the green guy, the green and purple guy, and uh, Square Mouth? 
it's just that <laughs> that kind of stuff where it's like what the hell and like this is a comic from the 80s i think sounds yes, about this, right it's a comic from july 23rd 1985 oh my god um and it's just a page that i landed on and it was very funny and so like you might occasionally land on pages that you know aren't really interesting like they'll be like you know what one of the writers for transformers and it's like yeah there's a lot of information on that person but if if, if, if you click it two or three times you will definitely find something funny and then there are some of the disambiguation pages (laughs) which are amazing uh uh, uh, the one i usually point people to is um ruined forever uh because it talks about how transformers even though it's been around for for over 30 years and is a multi-millionaire franchise what what Hasbro does not realize is that it is actually as fragile as paper towel wrapped around two bricks that could be ripped apart in any moment due to their terrible creative decisions which feels a lot like the rpg community right it really does the hyperbole they put into that and then the links they reference to online discussions that have been going on since the 90s by Transformers fans feel very similar to some of the RPG industry. Um, and so it, 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 it's, it's refreshing to see people recognizing it's like, we're kind of dumb. But there are subpages of this. Like um, uh, when Beast Wars came out and Optimus Prime became Optimus Primal, um, there was an infamous meme called Truck Not Monkey. Um, <clears throat> where people... <laughs> yes. Because people on Usenet would, in all caps talk about how Optimus Prime is a truck and not a monkey. And so therefore it became truck, not monkey. Um, and truck, not monkey became kind of a rallying cry for Transformers fans who refused to change uh, for any reason. Um, so it's even funnier when it's applied to Transformers decisions that have nothing to do with Optimus Prime or Beast Wars. And it's like, why are we talking about monkeys right now? What? That's not just robots. Um, and then, but the other one is uh, that's more of a real world Car Crash is the history of Dreamwave Productions, um, which were the first non-Marvel company to get the Transformers comic book license. And it is a trash fire of a story. Um, The owner of the company is not a very good artist, uh, squandered all of the company's money, just refused to pay the artists, and then will brag about it in like Wizard Magazine and stuff. Oh my God. yeah, he was he's a horrible, horrible person. Um, and it's like some very seminal writers and artists got shafted by this guy. Um, and so a bunch of them went over to a new company called IDW, which is now head licensed for over 20 years, and they do amazing Transformers comics. It was funny hearing you say a new company called I I because I'm like, new company. It was new at the time. No, I know. <laughs> yes. Um, and it was frustrating because Dreamwood did actually do some really good, interesting stuff. A lot of their stuff is enshrined bits of Transformers canon, but it's just garbage company. And so the occasionally the wiki tries to do this kind of attempts to be objective, but they realize pretty quickly that this is dumb because we're talking about toys. Um, and so they just <laughs> really lean into, okay, but this is dumb. Um, and one of the things they talk about a lot, they, they're, they're vicious about the people who are behind the scenes of that company and they are relatively unapologetic about it mm. um so it's it's funny because if you don't have all of this context it seems like it's just a mean-spirited website but you have to realize that the people who would spend the time and effort to maintain Trump's website are exactly the kinds of people they're talking about they're never mean-spirited Except for uh, Dreamwave. They're never really mean-spirited towards Hasbro <laughs> or the license holders. They'll occasionally snark about a, 
comic book being late or whatever, but I mean, it's generally like, or a toy looking a little weird. Um, but it, it did usually, yeah, but, but, but uh, yeah, if you're talking about actual fans and fan reactions, things, oh my God, it, it gets vicious. But also like, it's a community of people who are very aware that they are adults talking about a cartoon that was made to sell toys. Right, exactly. And toys in general. I have found my new favorite page, by the way. I've been clicking random pages this whole time. Okay. Um, there's a page called Design Flaw. Oh, no. That talks about all the toys that had design flaws. And it has subcategories like retractable thighs. That says that uh, things things like Generation 2 Laser Optimus Prime has a massively heavy uh, upper body and weak knees. It's common for him to just collapse into Stumptimus Prime. Um, there's a breakable that- joints. Does it have uh, gold plastic syndrome? I, I don't think so. Okay. What's that? Gold plastic syndrome is a Tyrus page where um, the earlier molds, if it was molded in gold, it would just dissolve. The gold oh. plastic would just, just dissolve on the toy. Good. Great. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's got a strong, strong spring weak peg, wear-based <laughs> looseness, <laughs> clipping issues, parts breaking off other parts, common breakage points. You know. Just in general. It's, yeah, again, they are very in-depth, especially if you look at the original uh, cartoon episode. Inferior pages. glue. Inferior, inferior glue, yes. Inferior glue, so sad. Like, um, they'll have, like, long lists of the animation errors. Yeah. Oh, my God, and they're just comprehensive. But, like, I, I am not a Transformers fan. I don't know if I've ever even seen an episode of Transformers. I've never owned a Transformer. I know my, like, cousin had some when I was a kid. But, like, as a, you know, small person who has socialized... As a girl, like I was like, yeah, they're right. they're they're truck boy trucks for boys, right? Um, yes, Ghost, I know you love Transformers, <laughs> but um, <laughs> it's not just for boys; <laughs> it's also for ghosts. <laughs> there was actually a Ghostbuster Transformers crossover. Continue. <laughs> I actually knew about that one. Um, oh, cool. But yeah, so I love the Transformers wiki. Like, I could get lost on that wiki for hours just reading random shit. And, and I mean, obviously, we bring in a private because I'm a huge fan, but it's one thing I actually like doing is going into fandoms that I know nothing about and occasionally digging in, um, partially because it gives me context for our job, right? Um, stuff that seems really, really important to us. If you go into, like, say, the Power Rangers fandom, mm. which I did a few years ago, um, and it's like, wow, they are caring about things. I have no idea what's going on, but man, they're really angry about it. Um, and they're really, Oh, that's probably what we sound like to people who are just casual <laughs> RPG fans. Um, and, and sometimes I'll get into fan- communities and find, I really hell of a like, um, uh, one of the ones that I hang out with is, is a trans, a fan translation community. Uh, I came in originally because they did a Sherlock Holmes, uh, Ace Attorney translation. Like, well, of course mm-hmm. I'm going to be a part of this. Um, but, uh, uh, I've since, you know, talked to some other games that I, I probably will never play, but they, it's some really interesting discussions about, uh, localization and what the intent of, uh, what is, it. and they, they go into, again, really deep rabbit holes of like, okay, well, there's this article by the original game designer that was done in this magazine in 2005 that I managed to get a copy of. And while originally most people translate it this way, I've actually looked at the text and it could be also translated this way, which gives a whole new spin on this other thing. And it's like, this mm. is really interesting. I don't know what you're talking about, but it's really cool. You know, it's really exciting to see people really enthused about a topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, like I, I am all for just people being passionate about something. Like, I, I think it's cool to listen to them. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so yeah, like I, it, if it's Transformers, that's cool. Like I, I am all about Eddie going off and telling you about random Transformers things, <laughs> or linking me to random pages and being like, read this. It's hilarious. Uh, right. Even without any context, the wiki has enough going on for it. I, I, I remember sorry because we were talking about bat-based Transformers, and I only knew of two, and you found a third one. And I was like, what? Oh, there's another one I didn't know about. So bat Transformers, the yep. only ones I care about. It's true. <laughs> one of which is a fuel auditor which is the most exciting i love that one though he had a whole like weird arc <laughs> right that yes wasn't that the one who like made the car wash that like yep the car wash of doom yeah the car wash of doom <laughs> i freaking love that i can't i can't i like it too much um so we've got about 15 minutes left one of the other topics i had talked about as chatting about was um a little bit about like disability and being neurotypical and stuff and working Okay. Um, because you know, we did like a fun topic, then a serious topic, then a fun topic, then one more serious topic, and then we can wrap it up. Um, so I know that you know, I, I have ADHD with a bunch of comorbidities. Um, and so figuring out coping mechanisms for that, for especially keeping yourself motivated to work from home can be really rough. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was t- very recently I have stumbled across the incredibly novel idea of putting a post-it note on my computer monitor. Mm-hmm. Which is so silly and so easy, and people have been doing it for decades, but I hate notifications. Like, I have to clear notifications as soon as they happen. So if I have a bright red square literally on my monitor, that's a notification, and I hate it. And so I have to clear it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And it's it's such a silly thing. Like, I have tried... So many productivity aids, but the the issue the the issue with like Trello, for instance, is that I can just not go to that website, right? And then it it goes right out of my brain, like out of sight, out of mind is a really big thing for people that have ADHD. We have to have it like in front of us. Mm-hmm. That is why our uh, our uh, fridges get gross after a while. <laughs> it's because right. it's really easy to just be like, oh, there's something in the back of the fridge I couldn't even see it, so it didn't exist anymore. Or oh, I put that thing in a drawer two months ago, so it no longer exists. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's the issue that I've had with various productivity aids is that like I, I have to seek them out, and so after a while, I just kind of stop seeking them out. Right. Um, I am on medication for this now, which is also helping. But honestly, the post yes, ghost, thank you, you're very helpful. But honestly, <laughs> the post-it note thing has been a weirdly a game changer. <laughs> no, totally. And it, it's so silly, but it uh, works. Well, I mean, also. First of all, I mean, I don't think any productivity aid is silly. It may um, feel like it when you first start doing it. True, uh, yeah. It, but, I mean, if it works, it doesn't matter. It's the best thing in the world. Yeah, no, I guess it just feels like such an easy solution <laughs> compared to everything else I've tried, which is like Pomodoro method, Trello, like all this, you know, tech stuff. And then I was like, post-it notes. That's That's where it's at for me. Well, you know, yeah, but at the same time, like I, I for years, I would struggle to try to pay attention in meetings um, because my brain would keep just wandering off. I started thinking about other things. Um, and then finally, I started bringing notepads to meetings so I can write down the things I would think of so I wouldn't lose them. And mm-hmm. then I just started writing down the notes of the meeting and suddenly my ability to pay attention to the meeting skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. And so I just write down what's happening in the meeting. And again, it's people have been doing it for decades um perhaps centuries but i mean i it was novel at the time so i mean it, it if it was easy it would have been done already it's not that it's easy it's just that you, you discover it but um, um no my, my wife michelle uh, so she's a massive I mean, her job literally is to help organize software teams so, i mean she thinks mm-hmm. a lot about this but she has a wall full of post-it notes 
Um, and she moves those post-it notes around. So basically, it's just like my Trello board, except for she has those physical things. Because same mm-hmm. thing, if she doesn't see it there, it goes out of her head. Whereas I had a whiteboard for two years in my office, and I realized recently I almost never use this thing. Uh, so I just got rid of it. It's like I, I, I work better because I, I like to have the process of go in, look at the board, spend my day looking at it, and then shut it down and not think about it anymore. So I, I'm mm-hmm. wired differently in that front. Well, yeah, um, but like that's 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 the post-it notes. Like once once I do my my post-it tasks, it goes in the garbage, right? And I'm like, ha! And that's satisfying, absolutely. It, it it truly truly is. I am I am a big fan. And there have been times where I, and this other thing is also uh, productivity shouldn't always be. You don't find one method and that will be the way it is forever. It's constantly evolving. And there have been times where I've just been really swamped or really struggling to, to get things going. And I will change it up. Uh, there was a while where I went to post-its on the board because I was just mm. so swamped with work. Um, and so every time I looked at the Trello board, it just looked like a big blob of cards. Um, and so I took a few tasks off of that and put them on my wall. And it's like, I'm just going to look at Trello for them. My wall is going to guide me for a while. And so I took all, until so I peeled all those sticky notes off and then it felt satisfying. It's like I pulled all those off and now I can go back and approach this other thing because the way that I do my travel board, at least it's always generating cards. That's by design. Yeah. See, and that's, that's part of what I didn't like about it was that mm-hmm. it made me feel like nothing ever got done because there were right. always new things popping up or mm-hmm. things that like never went away. Right. And I was like, nope, don't, don't like this. It, it's overwhelming. So uh, different things work for different people. Absolutely. And, you know, I think it's good that you, you recognize this and are able to say, okay, this is what's not working for me. Let me find a new way to change that. Um, and I, I think it's kind of where disability can kind of come into that is because, mm-hmm. let's be honest, if you're disabled, you figure out a way to cope because no one else is going to help you. Um, that's a pretty common disability story. Uh, so y- mm-hmm. your life is finding coping mechanisms to to, to navigate, um, and I think it's maybe part of why I kind of became worse. Because again, like you know, go back to my original point um, about meetings. Part of it was I couldn't hear what was happening in the meeting, and that was why it made it so hard for me to pay attention. Mm-hmm. Because it's like I, I, I what for an, most able-bodied people was an hour meeting. You go in, have a nice talk, go back, and you go back to work. For me, it was exhausting. Because I had to pay attention to every single person and what they were saying and make sure I heard them correctly. And yeah. then while I'm doing that, I'm also trying to think of what they're being said and make sure that I'm thinking of my answers to questions or my, my thoughts and concerns, all while also just making sure I'm still abreast of the actual ongoing conversation. And so by being able to write it down, it, I realized I didn't have to pay attention to every single word. I was getting just the high mm-hmm. points in the words and also helped train me to listen to the right words at the right times. And also being more okay with saying, Hey, um, you're going real fast here. What'd you say again? Because if I'm writing it down, people are more inclined to repeat themselves. And they're more frustrated when you repeat yourself, if you ask them because you're hearing loss, but not if you're writing it down, it's mm-hmm. weird, but that's how people work. Um, so that is yeah, weird, but yeah, I guess, <laughs> but I mean, think about it. If, if someone's writing something down and say, Hey, could you repeat that? You're not really that irritated. I mean, I'm Unless, irritated in general if someone wants me to, you know, repeat something I said. I, I, I talk very fast. <laughs> maybe you are not the best example. 
um, that the average person, uh, if you ask them to repeat themselves two or three times, uh, if it's just from hearing loss, they get very frustrated. If it's from writing down, it's like, oh, well, of course, you, I went too fast. Let me go back and cover that again. Yeah. I mean, I also just know you. And like, sure, right. like, at, like getting mad at you asking me to repeat myself would be really rude. Like, I mean, that's if, – if, if you have a friend with any kind of disability that you're aware of, right – Mm-hmm. And you can accommodate it without like pointing it out constantly. That is a really nice thing you can do. Mm-hmm. Like I, I have certain sounds I can't deal with. So if somebody like walks me away from that sound, that's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever we go out to eat at cons, I always ask Eddie where to sit, like where, where, mm-hmm. where he wants to sit because mm-hmm. his hearing loss is kind of specific. And if we're in mm-hmm. like, a, a, a loud restaurant, I, I want to give him that choice. Mm-hmm. And it's not like I'm sitting there being like, Hey, I know you can't hear well, so please pick your seat. Like, I, I, I let them sit somewhere first. It's really right. easy um, because he knows where to sit so that he can best hear people at the table. Mm-hmm. And so, like, doing accommodations like that is is not hard. Um, and it's 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 just something that's I think helpful for you know navigating the world as a decent person. I, I agree, but I think uh, to kind of turn it back around to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is a lot muddier when you're trying to accommodate neuroatypical people. Oh, definitely. Um, and it, it, it depends on what, like what, what they're dealing with. Like mm-hmm. I have friends with autism who like, I, I just need to be very plain when I speak to them right? because they don't always get all the nuance, which is fine. That's just how their brains work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, I try to speak very plainly, very directly, you know, say, say what's on my mind, et cetera. And also not get, being Southern, I was raised to, you know, not be super blunt, even though I've right. gotten over that a lot as, as an adult, but like also to not get offended if they're blunt to me. Right. Um, yeah, no, it, mine, I don't need many accommodations, honestly. Like my biggest thing is like whispering sounds, chewing sounds, stuff like that really gets to me. Mm-hmm. So like if I'm on a call with you, for instance, I'd rather mm-hmm. you didn't eat with your mic on. Right. Yeah. I know some people are fine with that. Like I, 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 people that have like lunch meetings on zoom and I'm mm-hmm. like, I can't listen to someone chewing. Crunching is fine. Chewing is not. It's, it's a whole thing. It's very strange. I don't know how my brain works, but that's how it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so like little stuff like that is really all I ever need for the most part, or just like, but when it comes to work, occasional reminders are very helpful because mm-hmm. as I was just saying, sometimes something falls off my plate and I forget about it. Mm-hmm. It's not willful. I'm not ignoring it. I've literally forgotten it exists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's something like we use a program called ClickUp, and there were a couple times when something went into editing but didn't get assigned to me. Yep. So I forgot it existed because mm-hmm. it wasn't on my list. Mm-hmm. And if it's not on my list, it's not my project, right? right. <laughs> Even if it's technically in editing and I should be giving it to an editor. Mm-hmm. Um, so little stuff like that, like just making sure that like I am aware of what's expected of me. Um, cause I'm not good at gauging that myself. And also mm-hmm. I'm probably never like willfully ignoring something. I probably literally just forgot it exists. Right. Yeah. And I know over time, you know, like you said, like you'd be trying to accommodate with me when we're in the same space. I've also, you know, learned these things about you and say, okay, well, I'll just, you know, occasionally if I'm here for a couple of days, I'll just poke you and say, Hey, by the way, did you get a chance to look at this? Um, you know, or, uh, like I said, I'm trying to remember to add you to click up on things I need you to yeah. do because that process has been working for you. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, it, 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 with, with physically disabled folks, especially with physical, physical, physical disabilities, it seems like, oh, well, it should be pretty obvious what you do. But that's also, I don't think, necessarily the case. Sometimes uh, wheelchairs, for example. Mm-hmm. Do not push someone's wheelchair without Oh my God, first. don't do that. That's creepy. But a lot of able-bodied people think they're helping. Also, like, don't, don't like hold the door for somebody unless they like seem to need you to or ask you to, because that that is something that I've seen a lot of my disabled friends get annoyed about. Is they're like, we 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 know how doors work. Like we can get through doors. I've been doing this my whole life. You know, right? Like, and if you're opening a door, then what you're doing is basically shining attention on their disability, or or like telling them they have to walk faster, or you know, roll right. faster, or what right. what have you. Like that's that's not always helpful either. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, like. If, if, if someone at the grocery store in a wheelchair is like, can you get that thing for me? Sure, I'll do that. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can do that, no problem. But if they don't ask, I assume they have it figured out because they've been living in that body. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, I've walked behind people with mobility disabilities and I just, I slow down and I just, you know, slow my pace. Mm-hmm. And if they look back and apologize, I'll just like, you know, don't worry about it. Don't take your time. Um, but otherwise, I don't mention anything. Um, so this goes back to my point is that... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, obviously, yes, try to accommodate your disabled friends, your typical friends, uh, but also ask them first what kind of accommodation is or have a conversation with them to find out what kind of accommodations they need. Mm-hmm. Uh, because sometimes not only does your attempt to help not useful, but can actually be problematic and harmful. Yeah, it can be like at, at the very least, it can be a microaggression. Right. Um, that they probably deal with all the time from strangers and therefore definitely don't need from their friends. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like, like I said, the, the whole reason I brought Eddie up is because we are friends. Right. So like, yeah. I know to walk on his right side when we're walking mm-hmm. together because mm-hmm. that's where his urinate is. Mm-hmm. And so if we're like walking around, for instance, Dragon Con, like, like we were oh, in yeah. 2019 mm-hmm. and it's incredibly loud and there's a million people and we're, we're, we're walking side by side. So you can't really like look at my face the whole time. Mm-hmm. Then I, I need to be on a specific side of you. Yep. And it's really easy to do without like it being a big deal. And also, but like people are gonna fuck up and forget. Um, this mm-hmm. this this is the same thing of like you know pronouns. It's like if you fuck up, just correct and move on. Yeah, you know, yeah. Apologize briefly if you need to. Oh, like you know, sorry, I meant blah, and then move on. Um, because the 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 change and the recognition of your mistake means more than us. We'll, we'll, be, rec- we'll be more accepting of the fact that you made a change mm-hmm. than dwelling on your mistake. Believe me. Yeah, and also if you make a really huge deal of it, like I see people do this with with pronouns, for instance, mm-hmm. where they're like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry, I, I didn't mean you know," da, da, da. and then you're putting the onus on the person to forgive right. you, right? And you're making it about you yep. when it's not about you. Like, just correct and move on. Um, right. I have I have done it. I have friends that have done it. I have quite a few trans friends, and sometimes you just slip up, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. It happens, but correct mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, try to do it ever again in the future. Because it, yep. it, it, it does, you know, suck to get someone's pronouns wrong. But Right. But, I mean, again, it's, it's, if, you're, if you're trying to be coming to anybody for whatever reason, um, uh, just try to, you know, keep an open conversation. But also, once you know what you should be doing, just try to keep doing it. And I, we're all human. We're all learning. I, it, one thing I will say about 2020 that has been good is that Mm-hmm. I at least have gotten a lot more tolerant of people fucking up mm-hmm. because yeah. we were all fucking up for 2020. Yeah. And so I've been trying to carry that forward 
Um, even though, like I said, we're not quite out of it yet, but still it's like, I'm trying to take care of that forward. It's like, okay, you know what? Let me, if people stumble or make a mistake, just kind of, all right, you know what? Cool. Let's just move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we have hit time. You've talked about Woo-hoo. a bunch of random things. Useful uh, things and also baseball. <clears throat> and also the Transformers wiki and also my ghost. No, 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 no. The Transformers wiki is very useful. I know what you're talking about. In that case, it was my ghost. So yeah, useful thing. <laughs> the ghost is also ball. useful. No, the, the ghost. The ghost was the be, was the best third host. I mean, I think we should actually fire Matthew and make the ghost the third host. <laughs> the ghost host, like in the ghost host. mansion, in Disney. <laughs> yes, I'm your ghost host. The ghost with the most. That's Beetlejuice. Oh right, that's true. That's a different person. <laughs> That said, uh, we do have the adventure Kickstarter, Trinity Adventure, going on right now. Yes. Um, we will link to that in the show notes. Uh, I am very excited about it. It hit, we are recording this a little early. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will say that in the first less than a day, it made well over its goal. Um, uh, three and a half hours, it hit 100%. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now it's at 50,000 or 52,000 mm-hmm. at the time of recording. So very exciting. yay. Hope this will keep going up. Uh, it is our, you know, pulp 1930s. We talked about on the podcast recently. Mm-hmm. Very cool game that I'm super excited about. I was looking at the original adventure last night, uh, doing some conversations about it. And I, I, I love how the original one was laid out where it looked like a, like an actual magazine. Yeah. Like the, the, the choice to put the credits at the end was really mm-hmm. cool because it made it look like an actual like pulp novel type thing. Uh, so yeah, no, I'm excited. Now, and that was that was all rich, rich. That was definitely a labor of love from Rich, and it it definitely holds up. Yeah, no, it's a it's a gorgeous game. So, well, if people want to talk to you about Adventure of the Transformers Wiki, Blazeball, or accommodations, where can they find you, Eddie? So about that, um, yeah, <laughs> uh, I have I have deleted my Facebook, or sorry, deactivated my Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I'm not currently using it. Uh, and I don't know if the time this goes up, I'll be using it again. Um, because honestly, I've, I've been, it's been at this time, uh, not using it for about a week and I kind of like it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I will say, um, I'm still, if you go to pugstay.com, uh, there's a contact me form. You could use that. And I'm still currently using Twitter. So that's still a way to get hold of me. Um, but I don't know. I'm, I'm more and more thinking that maybe I should just be off social media entirely for a bit. I'm, I'm still mulling it over. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. Like, maybe, but there are some people I only talk to on there and, like, some groups I'm in that I actually really like interacting with. So I almost wish that I could turn it off aside from, like, three groups that I'm in. (laughs) That's something else I've been debating doing is um, maybe just really ramping down at least my Facebook um, to, like, Mm -hmm. just 20 or 30 people kind of thing. Yeah, totally. I can see that. Cause like I'm in all these discords too. I have people there. Like I, I only check Facebook like a couple times a day. If that, like I'm, I'm, I'm not on it constantly, but I do check it a couple times a day, and that's something that I don't need to be doing. And so. that's the thing is like honestly, um, Discord has been filling more of the role of what I want social media to do. Is that I can pick my communities, I can, it, you know, mute channels, and mm-hmm. so it's a very kind of for me, compartmentalize social media experience so I can have the conversations I want to have with people I want to have them with, um, which social media just doesn't really allow me to do. Yeah, totally. Well, you can find me on Twitter, at Dixie Cyanide. Uh, you didn't actually say your Twitter handle, Eddie. You just said you can find me on Twitter, but, you know, find him. Figure it out. He's around. <laughs> it's Pugsteady. It's just like <laughs> Pugsteady.com. <laughs> you can find us at theonyxpath.com, the Onyx Path on most social media. And as always, many worlds, one podcast. 
Well, the spe speaking of learning things, the, I, I had a bit of a rant on social media yesterday, and I'm going to share oh. it here as well. Okay. So, well, the, the first few minutes of what I'm talking about, I'm really going to sell you on something, and then I'm going to drag the rug out from underneath your feet and make you wish I hadn't wasted a few minutes of your life. Uh, my, my anecdotes typically <sighs> follow this trajectory. That's it. Get comfortable, Dixie. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, my Netflix is currently bombarding me with uh, East Asian dramas, mostly South Korean and Japanese. Right, because you've been uh, watching those, right? Uh, exactly. So it now knows that along with children's TV, which my son watches, I all I want to watch is um, are TV shows about East Asia. And one of the ones made for Netflix that popped up was a TV show by the name of Vincenzo. And I thought, that's an interesting name for a South Korean drama. And it uh, gave a brief blurb about how it's a story of a, a half-Italian, half-South Korean man who escapes the mob and sets up back in South Korea. And I thought, okay, this is interesting. I like mm -hmm. The Godfather. I like Goodfellas. I'm a fan of criminal dramas. So let's give this a whirl. And... There are a few shows that have hooked me so swiftly. I started watching it, and I'm. this is only spoilers for the first 20 minutes of the show, and if anything, this might okay. entice you. In fact, the Netflix trailer probably has this very thing. I, I always skip those, though. So it starts with the eponymous Vincenzo, a conciliary of an Italian mafia family, making his way in a sleek car to the, I guess, plantation, olive grove plantation of a rival mafia don. He makes his way in. Occasionally you see the pesticide spraying biplane going by over the head, uh, you know, making sure the olive groves are kept healthy. He goes to the rival Mafia Don, who is clearly a slob, greasily eating with his fingers, and Vincenzo makes it clear that not only has his father died, who is our Mafia Don, um, mm -hmm. but this rival Mafia Don probably had something to do with it. Vincenzo says, you know, I would still like to offer you the deal. And the rival Don says, why would I take you up on your deal? You have nothing to offer me now that your father is dead. I have no respect for you, you half South Korean. <gasps> and it's all very dramatic. And the our protagonist, he makes another offer. He says, really, I must insist. The Mafia Don pretty much spits on his shoes and says, get off my property. And once again, you see the biplane flying over. He says, I'm going to give you one last chance. The Mafia Don turns his back on him, metaphorically, if not literally. And so Vincenzo walks away. At that point, the biplane flies over the big compound and sprays the people in it, and the Mafiodon realizes, that's not my pesticide sprayer. That plane's spraying gasoline over my olive grove and now over my house. Vincenzo, as he's walking away from the compound, opens his zippo, throws it back, Boom! The olive grove becomes an inferno of flame rippling across the fields towards the Mafia Don's house. It's dramatic, it's taut, it's finely shot, it's brilliantly written. The acting is superb. 
It's a fantastic opener to a TV show. He then goes back to his family home in Rome or some other Italian city, it never makes it clear, where you meet his full-blooded Italian brother, who is now the Don of the family. They're at the wake of their father. His brother says... I don't like you, Vincenzo. And Vincenzo says, I know, but I have no respect for you. So you know there's tension there. Vincenzo goes back to his apartment. Assassins come to meet him and try and kill him. (laughs) Sent by his brother, he overpowers them, and he leaves a message for his brother saying, I'm leaving Italy. Don't try and find me. If you do, I'm... Hang on. If you do, you're dead. And so he gets into a first-class jet, drinks some champagne, flies off towards South Korea. All of this within the first 20 minutes. I'm sure you can agree that this is a brilliantly constructed introduction to a TV show. Yeah, sounds great. Yeah. At which point it cuts to two South Korean airport workers supported by a background quacking comedy soundtracks or going... And they're doing a Three Stooges-like routine of slapping each other on the head, tripping over custard pies in the face. And these are clearly two very wacky, funny, silly individuals. And the tone of the TV show at this point veers in such a dramatic way, I felt like it did give me whiplash or a stroke. Because my face dropped and I felt the revulsion boiling up (laughs) inside me. I felt betrayed by this TV show I was watching. Like I had been led down this merry path of The Godfather uh, meets South Korea, which is... I, I love South Korean drama. And all of a sudden they'd inserted screwball slapstick comedy into it from nowhere. There was no signposting of this. I I have never felt so utterly appalled by a tonal shift in a TV show that I switched it off and watched something else. Okay, so I have several points to make right now. Go for it. One, Vincenzo is listed as a dark comedy on... um... Wikipedia. Well, I, there should be a slash or a stroke between dark and comedy there. Okay, two, two. <laughs> it is the fifteenth highest rated drama in Korean cable history, and well, three. Every single episode that has premiered up to now has held the number one spot on broadcasting. Well, all you listeners in South Korea who support our podcast, there are better. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, your your taste sucks. Wow, stop that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm sure your taste is fantastic and it just doesn't jive with mine. But I yeah, really felt watching this that the that shift, that dark comedy shift, because I saw it said dark comedy as well, and I assumed there would just be some sort of pithy one-liners whenever he brutalized somebody, something like that. But this was dark as in bloody murder contrasted against people slipping up to comedy whoop, sort of sound effects and <laughs> squeezing someone's nose. <laughs> so yeah, if this sells you on Vincenzo, please do check it out and leave your comments on your I want to come watch it, but not turn it off immediately when it changes tone to see what happens after that. You know, like yeah. I'm curious how it marries the two. And if it does so well, which based on the viewership, it might, you know, could be great. 
Well, I appreciate you advocating for the show. It doesn't sound like it needs an advocate, Dixie, but I, I will uh, I will give it another try. So the next time we all record together, I will give you my review of the second half of episode one. Maybe, maybe it will recover face. Uh, after all, that many million South Koreans can't be wrong. <laughs> Literally 15th highest rated cable show in their history. History of South Korea. That's That's huge. Thank you, PathCast listeners, for sticking with us this far on what was kind of a strange, disjointed episode. Uh, if you're listening to this on Friday, the day it comes out, you have made it to the part where I tell you that it is actually my birthday today. So uh, feel free to hop on Twitter and wish me happy birthday. Um, yeah, I took the day off work. It's pretty great. They left me alone with a microphone and the editing software, and they really just shouldn't have done that, because now I can do whatever I want to this episode. Like, I could just record my cat purring if I wanted. Stick it on the end, get some more ghost sounds, just some weird experimental music. I don't know. What do y'all think I should do? <laughs>